Hey, this is Pastor Allen. I'm the lead pastor here at First Baptist Church of Naples, and we are so happy that you have chosen to join us as we go through God's Word together. God's doing some amazing things here, and we pray that God's Word will transform you from the inside out. Our mission here is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ of all peoples. And our hope is, is that you are being a disciple that makes disciples. Now, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to join us, either in person or continuing online as we go into God's Word together every week. But if you are a member of another church, we don't want this to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion a substitute for you being connected to your local body. So our prayer is, is that God uses His Word to change you and to change others. So we pray that God will use you and this message for His glory. Have a great day. So excited to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, be turning to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, we're continuing in our series where we're looking at the life of Jesus being sent to serve. And this morning, as we look at Mark chapter 2, I want us to see that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Now, you know, when we think Jesus has the power to forgive sins, you will not know that he has the power to forgive sins until you experience the power. You may have said, hey, I've seen Jesus forgive other people. I've seen, you know what, other people walk in the forgiveness of Jesus. But saying that Jesus has the power to forgive sins uh, can only be experienced when you come in contact with Jesus and say, hey, I've, I've been changed. I've been forgiven by him. And you know what? When we see this all throughout our life, when we see coming in contact with something allows us to experience the power that we have. So my prayer this morning is that we will man, come in contact with Jesus, that we will have an encounter with Jesus Christ. You know, we moved here a couple months ago, and then, you know, just thinking about trying to find a house, getting in the house, renovating the house, we have done several renovation projects. And I can tell you this, I may be helpful in a lot of areas of your life, but you know what? Working and renovating the house is not one of them. I'm not very handy, and I can't do a whole lot of woodworking or things around your house. But one thing I have gotten a lot of practice and gotten better with is changing out light fixtures and fans and those things, not light bulbs. I mean, I have progressed a little past that, you know, I don't just do light bulbs, but changing the light fixtures. But when you're changing a light fixture in a bedroom or in a hallway or putting up a fan, you'll see the, the wires coming out of the ceiling. And when the wires are there, you know what? They always tell you, cut off the breaker or cut off the power. You know, because by, someone may know better than I, but just by looking at those wires, I cannot tell if there is power to them or not. I can't tell, and so if, if you're out there and you have some kind of special power that you know how to see if there's power to the, wire, to the wires, you can let me know, because on several occasions, I've crawled up my ladder or climbed up my ladder and said, Nicole, or honey, is the power off? Yes, but then when you touch the wires or you're putting them together, if you touch the wrong wires, many of you may have had the same experience as me, you understand, hey, there's power there. And either you're trying to kill me or we just are turning the wrong breaker. But when I come into contact with the wire that is alive and has the power, I know it. And so this morning, as we show up here at church, as we sit and we hear the words of Jesus, my prayer is that you would come in contact with the God of this universe who created you and desires relationship. And you say, wow, there is power 
in the name of Jesus. There is power in the forgiveness of Jesus. And we're going to see in this story, there are a lot of people that are coming in contact with Jesus. You're going to have spectators. People are just in the crowd. You're going to have doubters. And you're going to have believers. Those who say, hey, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And he can do what he says he can do. But you know what? The thing about it, many times we're all three of those. I've been a spectator where I just kind of watch what God's doing in my friends or other families. And I say, I don't know if he's going to do that in me. I've been a doubter where I think, you know what? I don't need God. I've got to work harder. Or maybe through shame and guilt, I say, I don't know if God can work in me. But then there's also been times where, you know what, I've believed in God and I've leaned in. And so I want to encourage us as we hear from God's word this morning that we would lean in and that we would believe that Jesus has the power to forgive sins and has the power to allow us to walk in that freedom. I'm going to invite you to stand as we read Mark chapter 2. We're going to stand to honor, man, God's word and the reading of that. So Mark chapter two, if you don't have your copy of God's word, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Mark chapter two. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And by the power of your spirit, we pray that you would just make the word come alive to our hearts. That, Lord, we will not just be hearers of your word, but, Father, we would be doers as well. Father, I pray that your spirit would just convict us, correct us. Use your word, your breath this morning to breathe life into dead places in our life. That we may walk out of here seeing you and being near you and leaning into what you have for us. So, Lord, speak to us this morning. We need to hear from you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we look in and see this encounter that Jesus has with, you know what, the, the crowd, the scribes, the paralytic man, the first thing I want you to see is that experiencing the forgiveness of Jesus is more than attendance. In verse 1, it says, when he returned to Capernaum, he had been in Galilee teaching you know what, doing miracles all throughout. And so when he came back to his new home, Capernaum was kind of his base, everyone had heard. So they said, hey, this miracle worker, this Jesus is back home, and many were gathered together. 
so that there was no more room, not even at the door. But I believe what we see here is Mark is going to make a distinction between the crowd and the disciples. And I think what we're going to see is if we want to lean in and experience, experience the forgiveness of Jesus, we can't just be a part of the crowd. The crowd is standing and observing, but the disciples are committing to action. You see, this morning, God is inviting us. He's inviting you not just to show up, but to lean in, to lean in to what God has for you. God is wanting more than your attendance. He's wanting your attention. And so when we show up, here it is Labor Day weekend. You're here. And I'm thankful that you did show up, that we're not sitting here in an empty room. But God is looking for more than just our attendance. He's looking for our attention. I was reading an article this, this week about Carlos Riccio. Carlos Riccio was an archive director in the country of Spain. And so the, um, the archive department hired Carlos Riccio to work for the government, paid him a salary more than double the national average of what you made in Spain, and his hours were 7.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. So Carlos, Carlos would come in, get his time card, clock in at 7.30, go home. He would sit at home all day, and then he would, you know, set an alarm, look at the clock. It's 3.30, he would go back to the archive department, he would clock out, and he would go back home. Now, you may own a business and feel like your workers do nothing, but Carlos literally did nothing. Or you may feel like you're the worker, and you're like, I don't do it, didn't do a whole lot today. Well, Carlos literally did nothing. He just clocked in and clocked out for 10 years. He did this for 10 years until some workers are saying, hey, that Carlos isn't doing anything. You know what? He's not doing anything. And so ultimately they fired him but couldn't recoup any of the, his salary. But he just showed up and did, this, and did nothing for a decade because all he was doing was just clocking in and clocking out. You know what, church? I feel like that has something to say to us. Man, you're here and I'm glad that you're here, but God is looking for more than just the attendance card. He's looking for you. Man, he's looking for more than just your attendance. He's looking for your attention. One of my favorite verses is 1 Chronicles 16, or 2 Chronicles 16, 9. 2 Chronicles 16, 9, and it says, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong. To who? to those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. What is keeping you in the crowd this morning? Man, what is keeping you maybe just clocking in and saying, hey, I'm here, that's good enough. Because Jesus wants to call you out of the crowd and he wants to call you into his presence. Maybe it's pride. You know, oftentimes I come and say, you know what, I, I got it figured out. I'm doing fine. I don't need God to interrupt anything. I can work this out. And so maybe this morning you need to push through pride. Maybe it's busyness. You got so many other things going on that you feel like God should be pleased just because you showed up. Just because that you came here. This morning it may be guilt or shame. You feel like I don't want to draw near to God because you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I really am. And if I can just stay in the crowd, then I can keep everybody at bay. You see, God knows. He created you. He loves you. And he desires to draw you in to experience his forgiveness. Many people 
follow Jesus in a crowd. But only those who drew near to him got to experience the power of his forgiveness. I just want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through in life or where you're at, man, let's draw near to him. And we're going to see that even in drawing near to him, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to draw near. Go back to the text. In verse two, it says, there were many gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And when we look and see this crowd that came, think about the paralytic man. Think about, you know what, as he woke up and heard that Jesus was coming to his town. Jesus was coming back to Capernaum. He probably thought, man, I'd love to go down there. How am I gonna get there? Even the four guys who were gonna bring him we're probably thinking, hey, Jesus is there. Let's bring our friend. But when they show up, what happened? There's people everywhere. People are out in the street. People are at the door. People are all packed into the house. But I want you to see if we're going to draw near to God, we're going to have to overcome obstacles in our life. Getting near Jesus rarely is an easy path. Just because something is hard or difficult doesn't mean God is not in us, in it. God calls us to do hard things. You see, we fight for what we love. And we're going to press in to things that are personal and that we're passionate about. And so this morning, I want to tell you, the forgiveness of Jesus, walking in his hope, walking in his peace, is going to be worth going through any crowd. It's going to be worth going over any obstacle that we may look at. Look back. In verse four, it says, when they could, gotten, could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. I want you to see the second thing. Experiencing the forgiveness of Jesus is personal, but rarely alone. Those four men brought him to Jesus. They didn't, you know what, say, hey, this is too hard. We can't get there. They brought him to Jesus. And when the crowd was, you know what, so big coming around there, they looked for a way. Most houses that were built in that time, right where Pastor Allen was, had a staircase on the outside where you could crawl up the outside of the house and get to the roof. So many times you would go up there to pray or to do things that was built with tile, then it would have sticks, and then it would have mud on top of it. So these four friends said, hey, this obstacle is not going to keep us, you know what, from bringing our friend near to Jesus. So they went up to the top and they started digging the roof. Look back, it says they would remove the roof. It's really unroofing the roof. They were taking off the roof until what? Until they made an opening. So just picture Jesus there teaching. He's talking to them just like you and I would talk. And he's having this conversation with the people and then you start seeing some dirt fall, maybe a tile removed, and then the sunlight is breaking through and you see an opening. And then the opening keeps getting bigger and keeps getting bigger until the basket is lowered down with a man in it. And here's what I want you to encourage. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what obstacles you may feel you may be facing. It may be your marriage, it may be kids. You know what, it may be your work. It may be things that are just pressing in on you. God can overcome any obstacles in your life and breakthrough can happen. And I want you to hear that. Breakthrough can happen for you. An opening to Jesus will show up. Man, we need to bring others around us and we need not give up. Keep pressing in. If we will keep pressing in and keep digging, 
breakthrough will happen. Man, too many times we give up right before God is getting ready to break through. Right before God is getting ready to break through. When I was in seventh grade, I was at a summer camp in Bolivar, Missouri. And I was sitting there and the, uh, I had been a believer for a few years and they had us write down who does not know Jesus that you need to pray for. And so I, my grandma led me, uh, my mom led me to Christ. My grandma was super instrumental, but none of the men in my family knew Jesus. So I wrote down my grandpa, I wrote down my dad, I wrote down another family member and I wrote down one of my coaches from middle school. And so I had those four men down. I was 13 years old, 1993, I started praying for them. And I prayed, my mom prayed, my, you know what, my sister would pray. And I remember writing them down. I remember right where I was, but I didn't see an answer to that prayer until my grandpa was 84 years old. 84 years old, through tears in his eyes, he gave his life to Christ. Don't give up. Just because you say, that, you know what, there's power in the forgiveness of Jesus. Whatever you're praying for, if it's a wayward child, maybe it's an addiction in your life and you're saying, I don't see Jesus anywhere. Breakthrough is coming. Don't give up. And listen to me, don't do it alone. Man, we have these personal encounters with Christ, but all through my life, there are people who help bring me to Jesus. Whether it be pastors, friends, my wife, and so I want you to see if you're sitting maybe and feeling like, hey, I got this figured out, be careful. Bring others around you. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you just say, no one knows what I'm going through. You know, a couple of you may be sitting here and says, no one knows what our marriage is truly like. No one knows what I'm truly dealing with with my parents. No one knows what's truly going on in my heart. God does and he cares. Faith family, that's what's so beautiful about the church is that we are built up because we need each other. You are not meant to do the Christian life alone. You are not meant to face the struggle alone. And what I want to encourage you, as we see these four men, they didn't give up. Man, they pressed in and brought him to Jesus. If you're feeling like, I can't do it anymore, bring others around you. Man, contact me. Contact one of our pastors, our leaders, a friend, Reach up and it's okay to say, I need help. Because when you look here, how did he get to Jesus? Others dug through. Man, you need to bring people around that's gonna pray for you, that's gonna help you, that's gonna encourage you, and it's gonna say, hey, it may take some humility, but I gotta sit in this basket as other people, man, bring me to Jesus. I've had some friends in my life say hard things, but you know what, I'm a better man because of it. I've had to say hard things to people. But when we say those things, it's because we want to experience the power that Jesus has. So I want to ask you, who are you surrounding yourself with? Maybe today your walk away is for you to experience the power of Jesus. You need to lock arm with a couple brothers and say, I need help. Maybe today you're saying, hey, I need to lock arm with a couple other women or a couple other couples and say, I want to experience the power of Jesus and I can't do it by myself. But then maybe today your walk away is who's in your life that God wants you to use to bring to Jesus. I believe that God saved you because he wants to use you in the life of other people. You know what? Our salvation is not a cul-de-sac. It's not like, man, Jesus came and saved us so we can sit and just enjoy his goodness. Jesus brought salvation to you so it can go to other people. Man, it should be a conduit, a highway 
that people are saying, yeah, I was blessed because of this person. They invited me to church. They man, prayed for me. They encouraged me. When we say the, the, the experience of experiencing the forgiveness of Jesus is personal, but rarely alone, who are you bringing to Jesus? This morning, if we've tasted and seen that God is good, that is awesome. But we've got to share that. We've got to be like these four guys and say, hey, the people in my neighborhood, the people at my work, the people at my school, young person, who is God using you? I mean, these guys were probably teenagers. God wants to use you, whether you're five years old or 95 years old. If you have breath in your lungs, God can use you to bring people to Jesus. When we look and see all throughout scripture, Genesis 2, it was not good for man to be alone, so he created what? A helper suitable for him. Adam and Eve to work together. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no one to lift him up. Brothers and sisters, let's not tear each other down. Man, let's not gossip about, wow, did you know what they did? Did you know what they did? But let's be there for one another. And let's lock arms to bring people to the feet of Jesus so that they may experience the forgiveness that Jesus offers. We need to start praying now. God, who do you want to use in my life? And who do you want me to be used to bring to the feet of Jesus? You see, there were spectators, there were believers, but there were also doubters. Look back at the text and see Jesus looked at the paralytic man and said, son, your sins are forgiven. But then verse six, now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. The forgiveness of Jesus is found in a person, not in a set of rules. When I talk to you about the forgiveness of Jesus, I mean, there's gonna be different ways that we find that forgiveness of Jesus. It's not A plus B plus C always equals forgiveness. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. These scribes, they were the religious people. They knew the rules. They knew the laws. In the other gospels, it records the scribes and the Pharisees were there. So they knew the laws, they knew the rules, but they were missing the fulfillment of that right in front of them. They were missing that God was in their midst. How did they miss it? They missed it because they cared more about themselves and the work they were doing than the presence of God. And before we get too hard on the scribes and Pharisees, sometimes can't we do the same thing? I know I can. Sometimes I get so caught up in the work of God that I miss the person of God. You see, when we look and we see all these different avenues that we have to man, encounter the living God of the universe, universe, they are not more important than finding him. So you don't want to get all the directions right and miss where you're going. You know, the goal is not to say, hey, I, I followed all the steps perfectly. The, the goal is to say, hey, I got to the destination. So if we don't sing the songs right, if you don't read the verses right, that's okay. Find Jesus. Because when we look and we see these scribes and they, these Pharisees, they focus more on following Jesus than finding Jesus. So this morning, I want to encourage you, if you focus more on the rules of following Jesus than the prize of finding Jesus, your heart will grow cold and distant to the person of Jesus. Because you're going to fall in love with the rules. Let's not fall in love with the rules that we miss Jesus. 
So in the story, if you're more concerned about the roof and the digging than the drawing near, it might be a sign that you're missing Jesus. Because we're gonna do anything we can to get to Jesus. Any way possible, get to Jesus. So if you're distracted from digging and you're more concerned on debating who, you know, about Jesus, you're going to miss him. So I want you to see that as the scribes and the Pharisees are there, they're missing that God is right in front of them. They're missing the forgiveness of God. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so what the scribes and Pharisees were saying, hey, we follow all these laws. We know all the rules. And what Jesus is trying to say to them is, yes, and they lead you to me. Because they were, so, they were like, wait a minute. When they were questioning, why does this man speak like that? Who can forgive sins but God? But that is where Jesus is revealing himself to them in verse 10. When he says in verse 10, but that you may, what is the word? Know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he's saying to the scribes, you are right. Only God can forgive sins. And so that you may know that I said, hey, his sins are forgiven, I'm also gonna tell him, get up, pick up your mat, and go out. Because Jesus is wanting to say, without a shadow of a doubt, I am God, and I can forgive sins. And the scribes and the Pharisees were so caught up in their religious system that they were missing Jesus. And what I wanna encourage you, don't get so caught up in church and playing church and attending church that we miss the person of Jesus. So when we look and we see this son of man, Jesus is referring back to, man, Daniel and looking and saying that I am God, I am the one that's going to come real, being the ruler of dominions, being this heavenly being that has all dominion. And he's saying, I have the power. I have the power to forgive sins. So we've seen spectators, we've seen doubters. But then when he looks at this man, we see experiencing the forgiveness of Jesus leads to a changed life. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And what did he do? And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. And I want you to understand this paralyzed man had never been able to go into the temple to offer sacrifice. When you think about going into the temple, blind, lame, paralyzed people could not go in and offer sacrifice. And so what Jesus was saying to him, hey, your sins are forgiven and you are healed. Now, I don't believe that Jesus is trying to say, hey, all of his sins were tied up um, in this healing, but I do believe that Jesus was giving a visible justification for a claim to an invisible power. Because when Jesus said, hey, son, my beloved, my child, your sins are forgiven because of faith, I believe the scribes were saying, well, hey, who can, who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus says, well, yes, 
Only God can, but, but so that you may know, get up and walk. He said, I'm going to change this guy's life, that he walks out and that he is going to be broken from the bonds of sin and he's going to be broken from the heaviness of sin. So when we look and we see this morning, what I want to encourage you with is that Jesus speaks forgiveness but also wants you to walk in that forgiveness. He wants to take your heaviness. He wants to take your burdens. And he wants you to walk in complete forgiveness in him. You see, the main point is not that sin is the cause of his disease, but healing is a sign of his forgiveness. And so when we see, man, that he is walking in forgiveness, he's saying, get up. Get up out of you know what, your circumstance, get up out of this and I'm gonna call you to walk in a fullness of life. You see, Satan came, John 10, 10, to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and life more abundant. So if you're sitting here this morning, I wanna ask you, are you walking in the freedom that Jesus calls for you? Are you walking in the power it's time to rise up. Don't sit in your sin. Don't sit in your shame. Don't sit in your pride. Don't sit in your self-righteousness. Rise up and sit in what Christ has done. Because it's not about following the law. It's about resting that Jesus paid it all. That Jesus paid for our sins. We see this throughout scripture in Joshua chapter 1. The people of God are sitting there and it says, Moses, my servant is dead. It's difficult times, arise. Get up, go into the promised land. When Jesus was crucified, he went into the grave for three days, but what happened? He didn't stay there. He arose. And so I believe that we're sitting here and Jesus is saying, rise, pick up your mat and let's go because I have a life, an abundant life that you're going to experience. And when we look and we see he arose, how did he arise? Immediately. Mark's favorite word, immediately, but I think it speaks to us today. Man, when God is calling and you're sitting there and you're hearing, man, the word of God and the spirit of God is working in your life, let's not harden our hearts. Man, let's say, God, I invite you to walk in that freedom that only Jesus has to offer. You see, God's got promises for us. Philippians chapter one, verse six says, the work that he started in you, the good work that he started in you, what is he gonna do? He's gonna complete it. So God's not done with you yet. I mean, God still wants to work in you. Jeremiah 29, 11, when it says, for I know the plans I have for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God created you and knew you before the foundation of the world and has a plan for you to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for a hope and a future? But then two verses after that, he says, you know, about the, the plan in the future, for a heart that is completely his. This morning, are you gonna lean in? Or are you just gonna sit on the sidelines? This morning, are you just gonna debate and say, well, I don't know. Man, am I gonna walk in freedom? Am I gonna walk in that? Because I don't really know what that would look like. Let's look back in the text. It says, he walked out. So a paralyzed man walked out and they were all amazed and glorified God and said what? 
We never saw anything like this. I believe God wants to do a new work in your life. Man, you know, if we want God to laugh, show him our plans. When we look and we say, God's never done anything like that because he wants to do a new work of you walking in forgiveness. He wants to do a new work of you walking in freedom. You see, we need God and we need each other. And so when we look about coming into the presence of Jesus, my prayer is that you would allow him to do the work of God in your life. You would allow him to draw near to you. What obstacles are you facing? And what crowd seems to be pushing you out? What roof is standing between you and your breakthrough? Let's lean into God and say, God, I need you to remove the roofs. God, you have my attention. You have my heart. Let's believe that God has the power. I believe we'll lean into the power of God when it becomes personal to us. When we say, hey, this is not just the God of the Bible. This is not just the God of my parents. This is not just the God of my friends, but this is my God. This is my Savior. This is my Lord. And so what I want to encourage you is lean into a personal God that wants to give you hope, peace, and a joy that only he can offer. But as long as you see it's for someone else, we're going to stand in our doubts. We're going to stay in the crowd and we're going to miss the presence of Jesus. You know, I have this box up here and it has a pocket watch. Now, if I were to ask you, hey, do you want to buy this pocket watch? You would probably go through the logical steps of, is it made of gold? How much is the gold worth? Is it a valuable pocket watch? How much do you want for the pocket watch? I mean, you would start going through all these difficult, different things of, I only want to buy it if there's something in it for me. I only want to buy it if I can maybe make some money or if it's a rare one or it's a valuable one. And so for you to purchase this pocket watch would be the external value of something. But for me, this pocket watch is invaluable. It's priceless. Because my grandpa carried this watch for 20 years. And on the back is inscribed January 21st, 1971. Years before I was even born, John C. Arbuckle Jr. That was my grandpa. And so as he carried this watch around and as my grandpa gave it, or my grandma gave it to me after he passed away, she said, Justin, he wanted you to have this. He said, as he carried it around and when he was on, hey, I want him to have this. So when I keep this, it doesn't work. I, I don't even know if the gold is real, but it's valuable because it's personal. And so when we talk about the forgiveness of Jesus, I mean, it's really cool that God forgives other people and man, it's awesome when our neighbors are walking in freedom and we see God really do awesome things. But this morning, let's not let the forgiveness of Jesus be something that happens to our neighbors or that other people talk about, but that is inscribed on our hearts. That Jesus says, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. This morning, if you're far from God, he brings you near through the blood of Christ. This morning, if you're a believer, 
Jesus has forgiven our sins, past, present, and future. Let's not sit under the condemnation of Christ. Romans 8, 1, there is, there, there is now therefore no condemnation for who? Those who are in Christ Jesus, whose Christ has written on your heart, my child, my son, his name is written on our hearts. So as we press in, let's not just sing another song, Let's not just come to another service, but let's encounter the living God who has power to break chains, to change life, to breathe life into dead places, to restore marriages, you know what, to break addictions, to bring energy to you who may not even thought anything about your neighbors to say, I wanna bring someone to Jesus. May God speak life into us this morning. Man, I pray that we don't, just attend, but let's lean in and say, God, what do you have for me? We want to walk out of here and say, I've never seen anything like that. I've never experienced anything like that because that's the God we serve. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're a miracle working God. You're a healing God. You're a forgiving God. And Father, we want to see your power. We want to see you move. And Father, we believe, even if we can't see a way, Lord, you're making a way. Lord, even if things are crowding out our hearts and our attention, Lord, I pray that we would press in. And so God, we just invite you to this place. And Lord, we just ask that, Lord, you would stir in our hearts, that we would see you move. Lord, we're tired of normal. We don't want a normal Christian life. I don't want just a, hey, I'm a, a believer and I sit on the sidelines. Lord, I want to walk with you. I wanna feel your power. I wanna experience you moving in my life, in my family's life, in my neighborhood, in our church family, in our, our city, in our state, in our country, and in our world. Lord, we want to make you famous. So God, stir in us that we may do the works that you've called us to. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand and we're gonna sing. Maybe you just wanna pray right where you're at. Maybe you wanna, man, go pray with a friend. We just pray that you would have freedom in this place to move as the Spirit leads you. So let's sing, uh, man, just to a powerful God. Thank you for joining us as we go through God's Word together. I pray again that God will transform you from the inside out. So as we say here at first, you have come to church, Go out and be the church. Have a great week of worship. We can't wait to see you soon.